Tony Hand as McEwen goes away in delight, shakes his head. 6-5 to Cardiff Devils. The best player that British hockey has produced, Tony Hand holds all the records, goals, assists, appearances, everything. And he faces the man whose recording goal this year has been the best. And Tony Hand has missed twice. And he misses a third time and cracks his stick against the crossbar. Jeff Smith waits for the applause of his teammates. Brian <laughs> Kanawisher took a flying leap. The rest join in. Poor Jeff Smith is submerged underneath all that. And surely you don't need telling that Cardiff have won the Heineken Championship and this man is in despair, Tony Hunt. Hello there and welcome once again to Behind the Bench with Neil Francis, the hockey podcast that delves into devil's history and tells you the true story about what went on across all of the great and good moments in Cardiff Devil's Law. And today we have probably the most special episode we've ever done and maybe will ever do. It is the reunion of the 1990. Cardiff Devils playoff winning team. I'm Gareth Hewish along with John Donovan. Hey guys, how are you? Very well, thank you, sir. And Mr. Neil Francis. Hey guys, uh, looking forward to this one. Um, you know, this is, I, I think, when people look back at how they first got into, ho- uh, into hockey, um, this was a massive, massive uh, start of the. Uh, hockey journeys in many people's lives and it certainly was for me so uh yeah it should be really interesting to to go back down memory lane for this one indeed it was so hot off the heels of our brent walton episode we uh got a planning about what uh we could do in upcoming episodes and uh john it uh was a pretty quick turnaround from idea to execution i think i got a text from you the thursday before we recorded mm-hmm. on the sunday um so give us a bit of background this is a, a pretty special game in your fandom and uh, how did you manage to uh <laughs> assemble the uh Cardiff devil's version of the avengers in many sense uh, well i i gotta give a lot of credit to Ian cooper guys as you know i've been bugging you about doing this episode for a while and you kindly said we could do a, a, a Wembley one. We were talking about this back around Christmas time and um, getting the guys back on. And I, I, you know, me not being very popular, understandably, I couldn't get any bites from anybody. Uh, <laughs> Ian didn't want to go on with, without Stephen. Stephen was busy. Uh, John Lawless, who obviously we all love, uh, didn't understand technology, so he didn't want to come on and just... We couldn't, we couldn't quite get it. Uh, we couldn't quite get it done. And then um, the th- Wednesday, as you say, we recorded on a Sunday. Um, I think I texted you a Thursday morning. On the Wednesday night, 
I was basically complaining to Ian Cooper because he was um, <laughs> asking myself and Franny to 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 promote the uh, the Raphael that's going on for the Patrick Kane shirt. And I said, Ian, if you want me to do that, how about you uh, throw me a bone and come on the podcast? And again, Ian said, well, I'm not coming on it on my own, John. I'll come on it with Stephen. He managed to get Stephen. And then the next day he said, oh, I've managed to get Mo as well. And then he got Dougie. And they said, well, you know what? If, if, if these guys are coming on, I think Lawless and Shannon have to be on. And then he said to me, well, if Lawless and Shannon are on, Brian Wilkie has to be on. So in the end, we just decided to get the whole team on. And um, I think, I think I didn't expect it. And, and we didn't plan it that way, Gaz. But it's, it's really what I wanted. And I think, you know, you guys enjoyed it. And, as I said in, in the roundup when we recorded the episode on, on Sunday, this, you know, I'm, I'm a Devils fan for 30 plus years, Cardiff City fan for 30 plus years, Welsh football fan for 30 plus years. This 89 90 team, and particularly that Wembley game, still my most favourite sporting memory of all time. And not just because of, of those guys and the result, but I was an eight year old. I got to experience it with my dad. He loved it, and my two brothers. So there's so many emotional ties for me all wrapped up with this team and um yeah it was just such an honor to be able to talk to them all indeed it was <laughs> well it presented a lot of technical nightmares beforehand but we uh, we got them all sorted out and um i think you're really gonna love uh what we managed uh to come out with franny just before we uh shoot over to the uh the uh, final footage and uh, the entire interview. Um, where were you in this uh, 1990 final? Well, I wasn't behind the bench, but <laughs> I was behind the goal. So I was behind the goal. So um, I think my I was 14 at the time. Um, I had probably been playing hockey for two years in the juniors. Uh, I just got my dad into watching the Devils too. So he was kind of hooked as well. And Devils get to the final on the Friday, and we we got tickets to go up um, to go up and watch the the final on the Sunday. So um, when we got there, we realised that our tickets were actually in the Murrayfield block, so <laughs> directly behind the block where the penalty shootout was, the famous winning penalty shootout as we now know, uh, was a Murrayfield block at ice level. And my dad and myself are the only Devils fans in there, so. In the footage, when you see all the celebrating behind the goal, when you know Jeff makes the save on Tony Hand, you'll see a white devil shirt, mm-hmm. old school devil shirt, just a logo, no sponsors, right up against the glass, and that's me. That's me <laughs> behind the net. <laughs> and a few years later, on the ice itself, what a <laughs> a lovely first Wembley memory that is. Um, but let's get right to it. This is uh, the story about the uh, 1990 playoff win told by those who were there and who accomplished it. It's a very special episode. I hope you really enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Mr. John Donovan, please can you introduce our roster of guests for today? Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Guys, I'm going to try and do this in numerical order from uh, that lineup at Wembley. So just so all the viewers know who you are, if you can just say hello. So um, I don't think it's a good start because we'd start with number four, Paul Farmer. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, I don't think he's on either. Number six was Jason Stone. (laughs) Two for two, excellent. I think we've got this guy on. Number seven, Doug McEwen. 
Hey. Hi, fellas. Hey. Hi. Hey, Doug. That was uh, Johnny. Number eight, Nikki Chen. Eight? Bloody hell. Terrible. I'm afraid of Wembley, Nick. I know. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> Young. Just call me Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, of course, the legend that is John Lawless. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Hi, John. Thanks for coming on. All right, this is testing my numbering now. We didn't have a 10, 11, 12, 13. Number 14, of course. Uh, let's not forget him. Uh, Brian Dixon. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Brian. Brian. Uh, Brian that. Number 15, Jeff Pick Smith. Pick Jeff, you with us? Okay, I think he was with us. He'll come back. Archie, number 16, you there? Archie Nelson? Blanche, how are we doing? Hey, Archie. Uh, 17, 18, number 19, the captain, Steve Moria. Mo, you there? Hello there. Can you hear me? Can you, Mo? <laughs> you. Because I can't I see anybody. See you. The best I've seen you look, Mo. <laughs> so going on, guys, I think at number 20, we had Jason Wood. Woody, I don't think we can see you, but we can hear you. 27, mate. Did you wear 27? <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> you. Ruined the whole show now. Let's just everyone go. <laughs> everyone go. Start again. 27, Jason Wood. There we go. At 29, Robbie Morris. Hey. Hey. Yo. <laughs> 35, Shannon the Cannon Hope. Yo, yo, hey. yo. Hey. Uh, number 44, John Burnacle. In the house. Hey, John. Hey. Johnny. Where's the rest of them? Number 55, <laughs> Stephen Cooper. Oh, top lad, top lad. <laughs> Number 66, Ian Cooper. Brilliant. Ian, you organized the thing, you won. Yeah, where are you? <laughs> he's there. He's, okay, there. he's gone somewhere. He'll be back. And last, but by no means least, number 77, Brian Wilkie. Hola, Yay. from Portugal. Hey, Brian. Oh. And of course, not forgetting coach of the year that year and the bench coach. I think he's joining us from Ecuador, Brian Kanawisha. What a roster of guests we have. And uh, just like to uh, start by saying that um, this uh, podcast is being uh, sponsored and brought to us by the Ice Hockey Players Benevolent Fund. And uh, Mr. Ian Cooper, can you just give us a little bit of a overview of what that organization does and how anyone can help? Uh, basically, it's the only UK-wide charity for players and officials who are in financial difficulty. Um, so we've been raising money since, I think, 96. Uh, to that end, we've helped uh, a dozen or so players over the years. And there's a panel of trustees. I'm one of them. Uh, John Donovan's another. Stuart Roberts, uh, Rene Ross, and one or two others. Oh, Farms is with us. Hey, um, yeah, so I've been a trustee on that for many years, and we'll talk a little bit about that later as well. Ian, before we go on, you've got the, I think, the shirt behind you. Do you want to talk about the raffle that's going on? Yeah, there's um, Chicago Blackhawks. 88, Patrick Kane, signed shirt, which we're raffling at the moment on raffle.com. Uh, you'll find it all on social media. So, yeah, it's a pound a ticket for the raffle. See what money we can raise. 
right. So, John, uh, we're going to be led by you, Mr. John Donovan, for many of the questions, as you're uh, a fountain of uh, knowledge of all of this era. So, uh, I believe we're uh, kicking off with some Abby Moore questions. Yeah, well, I just wanted to, um, guys, that, that was a remarkable season, 89-90, and I, I do apologise if I get into fan mode, because I was a... Uh, like an eight-year-old and uh, it was just an unbelievable season and uh, so we're going to go through a few things mainly Wembley but you know talking about how you guys kind of came to Cardiff initially and um, I thought it'd be nice to start off with the uh, the Aviemore connection so uh, obviously well, Aviemore beat Cardiff 10-9 in that playoff final those years ago and basically uh, John what you did was went out and signed all of their players didn't you so uh Brian came in as bench coach, Brian Kanawisher, then Brian Wilkie, the late, great Brian Dixon, and, and Archie Nelson. So I don't know whether you guys want to start off. You, uh, you fall, uh, Johnny Lawless and, and Wilkie and, and Nelson. Uh, just, just talking about how the move from Aviemore came about. And I guess, what were you, ski instructors up there? So uh, was it was a little bit different down in Cardiff? <laughs> Who wants to go? Archie, you going to go? No, you carry on, though. You carry oh, okay. on. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it, was, it was a great year. Um, Abby Moore, you know, still holds a lot of memories for all of us. And um, back back in the day, uh, 87, when we went down to, uh, 86, I went down to Cardiff and uh, John had just started getting a team together. Um, Abby Moore was going through a rotation of um, lots of players, up and coming youngsters coming through. Um, biggest problem, it was financial problems. Uh, that The town itself wasn't big enough to keep the hockey uh, going with, with, with money and sponsors. Um, we had great talent that came from, from uh, not just at Cardiff, but uh, uh, all over the country, players from Abbeymore, like Bremner and Gavin Fraser and all these guys, um, all, all over the country. We um, Jack Driver was our coach at the time uh, as youngsters. And then uh, when we came back from uh, Cardiff, uh, John, uh, Johnny came up. And uh, did a, we were on training, actually. I think it was a Tuesday or a Thursday evening. We were on training one night, and, and Johnny came up and um, was doing a little bit of scouting in the stands. And uh, he, uh, he, I think he, I, I can't remember. I mean, it's, it's that long ago, but uh, I think he approached Brian Dixon, uh, who was going on his way back to Nottingham uh, with myself. We were going to both go to Nottingham. And uh, uh, the, the dream of going to Cardiff was just, you know, he, Johnny took Brian first uh, and I actually moved away from the town because the hockey was sort of folding. I moved down to just outside Glasgow and then that's when I got the call um, to, to come down to Cardiff. And uh, I remember getting on the train and uh, Sean, uh, Sean O'Neill, who we all know, um, he picked us up at the train station with, with Brian, uh, with Dickie and uh, well, the rest is history. Best, best move I ever made from the town. Um, we were, we were, we would have just worked in the bars, restaurants up there. I worked up at the Kerm Gorms on the on, on the on the hill on the lifts, and uh, you know, the best move that we ever made was go, was going down to Cardiff, and then and then myself and Dickie had the first season there, um, and then uh, Canner and Archie came down next season, then Canner came down, so. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a blessing, really. It's the best thing that ever happened to us from Abbeymore, anyway. Brian, just, I think it's probably a good time, and, and, and for all the guys who, who played with him, and I was just a fan who watched him, and I know, Shannon, uh, you did a moving tribute to him. I think you knew uh, Brian Dixon very, very well when you first came down. Just how good of a teammate and, and how good of an oh, underrated player, I guess, mm. was, was Brian Dixon? He, he, 
he was a well, he was a special player. Um, but even uh, ongoing from that, Brian, uh, as a kid growing up in Aviemore, he was he was a one-off um, uh, skiing. He was a fantastic skier. He used to win everything at the skiing up up, 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 in, up in the Cairngorms, and he went all over the world skiing. As he tragically in Australia, what happened to him? But uh, in in the town itself, he was loved by everybody. Um, a fantastic ambassador to to skiing. He taught many many people to ski and and skating. Well, we we knew what he was like. We knew what he could do, uh, actually on the ice. Uh, to play alongside, fantastic playmaker, fantastic player, strong, strong, strong. Um, even as a kid, uh, and Connor will know this as well when he was when he was coaching him. Uh, when Jack Driver uh, had him, he used to make a skate, skate, and skate. And Dickie was streets above everybody else, and uh, he was just a fantastic, fantastic player. Uh, Fantastic ambassador to the sport. Um, he he loved he he when he came back from Nottingham he loved the season at Nottingham. But uh, I remember we used to have many chats in Cardiff and he, he you know again like I just said for him it was the best move that he ever made when Johnny took him down to Cardiff at first. And uh, he you know he's still sadly missed by by everybody at home. And uh, and I know he has lots of friends still in Cardiff and stuff. So but he was a fantastic guy all round fantastic player. I don't think you could have said it any better. I think most of us are on the beers tonight, so uh, just raise a toast to, to Brian Dixon at the start of the podcast. A huge part of that 89-90 team. Um, I guess, you know, and, and before we go into maybe checkbook hockey, the, the rest of the Brit pack who were, were so important, and I'm thinking of Paul Farmer, who's just joined Paul. I think you retired and then came back for that year. Uh, Johnny Burnicle, you came down from Telford, and, and there was that night where you had uh, shirts in both dressing rooms. You made your Devils debut, and, uh, you know, Robbie, anyone, guys, what, what were your memories, the Brit pack particularly, of, of, of coming down to Cardiff and joining Cardiff and how exciting a time that was? Go on, who wants to go? Jo I, I think, let's do it. Johnny Burnicle, you were the first to sign, I think. Go on. Yeah, yeah coming to Cardiff, uh, obviously I met Johnny playing against him uh, many times when he was at Peterborough, when he had the dream of setting up the Cardiff Devils. Obviously went to Peterborough for trials and everything. And got an opportunity to join the first season, which I turned down and went to Telford. Uh, played with my good mother there, Jeff Smith. And... Obviously, Cena you know, was the biggest mistake I'd done by not agreeing to come the first time, which I, I had. But obviously, Jeff and the way the Devils were performing we made my mind up that it was definitely the way I wanted to go. Uh, coming to Cardiff was uh, a bit of a strange one in the fact that I was playing for Telford and it was during the off season, like Christmas period, where Johnny agreed, yeah, we'll sign you. And, which was fine. And then when I went down done a couple of training sessions, our first game was against Telford away. At the time, Mr. Chuck Taylor wouldn't release me. And uh, at the time, the first game away was Telford. So when we went there, walked in the Telford ice rink, and yeah, we were sent right there. The third in the dressing room, which I was so excited to put on. Plus, I had one in the Telford uh, dressing room. Uh, I think most of us all remember what happened in that game. Uh, <laughs> 
Is that the walk-off game, Bernie? a few of the others, mate. Uh, yeah. That game didn't get finished, but uh, no, that was my first uh, game for Cardiff and one of the ones that will stay in my memory forever. Obviously, playing with a bunch of guys I got to play with over the next few seasons, which is absolutely fantastic. Just about playing the game and winning games and losing games. It was, it was off ice. It was... All the things we've done off the ice together and some of the stories we could all tell, like Canowish Girl with me working at Greg Bergen's house and Tim Stedman falling in the pool with... <laughs> there we go. Uh, but no, and then playing like, uh, like training. Training was hard, but we used to have some good laps in training where we'd have the obviously the North East South training session and Browns board and Kiwis and everything again afterwards sometimes, which obviously I think things have changed a lot since then, but I would never change the time I played hockey and everything else and definitely would never change the place I played with. Memories will be there forever. I don't know it is. Thank you to Johnny Lawless and thank you to all the Devils fans for such a fantastic I had in Cardiff. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. So quickly running through the guys. Robbie, you were yeah. what Oxford? We were out, do I remember correctly? Were you Oxford and Bristol before you came in? Or yeah, I no, I was with the, I was with the I was with the Sully or Barons for a year, and then that kind of didn't. Well, it was okay, but it was just traveling up there a couple of times a week. I had to take a bus once I got to the train station, and it was it was hard work. I enjoyed playing there, but it was hard work. And then after that, I went to um, Oxford. And while I was in Oxford, I met uh, one of the imports was Jack Thornton. Um, and it turned out that he was the brother of um, Scotty Thornton and uh, uncle of Joe Thornton. And, he, and we wow. became quite good friends. And he said, you know, come on out to Canada, you know, next season. So I scraped all the money together and <clears throat> went out to London, Ontario. And I was with the London Diamonds for a while, you know, but... I just ran out of money and it was too cold. Like my English clothes couldn't put up with the minus minus forty Canadian winter. <laughs> I was skinned. I never had any money. I never had any money, and I was having to live with Jack Thornton's dad, who was like this single OAP still dating. Yeah. <laughs> and every night he'd say, "Hey, Robbie, I'm going out for a date. You know, I'm, I'll be back late." And I didn't know what to say. But it was a great experience. Anyway, I came back and um, rejoined Oxford, but Tim Stedman had moved on. He'd gone to Cardiff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, I hooked up with Tim and, and he said, hey, hey, Rob, you've got to come down to Cardiff. You know, I spoke to Johnny. He said he'd like to see you come down and have a skate and that. And, and I thought, well, it's a bit closer to Bristol, you know. Maybe I'll come down. So I went down for a skate. Met up with all the guys. I think I signed the next week or something, you know. And... Uh, and that was it because really it was a it was a catalyst for me for for really good things because the time we had there was just unbelievable. I mean it was just unbelievable. The first year was great, we won everything. Then we went to the Premier Division and you know, all of a sudden we had a fantastic team. The Coops, the Stephen and Ian came down. Uh, all of a sudden we got Mo and Dougie I knew from like Lee Valley and that, you know. And, then Big Shannon was there, and all of a sudden, it was a really, really good team. And uh, I don't know, it was just, we had this chemistry, it, 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 it all mixed really well. I think us on the second line, me, Wilkie and Dixon, and, and Archie from time to time, 
I think we did a lot of hard work. We did a lot of hard work. Hey, Robbie, work. don't forget you scored a hat-trick in that game against Telford when we got promotion. I forgot about that. But we won <laughs> one time and you got a hat-trick, man. Oh, thank you. But we, um, we did a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of the groundwork for the first, first line to go out and play. You know, we held a lot of the big lines. We worked really, really hard. We Wilkie and Dixon, you know. And, but it was just fantastic to... You know, to come off and then watch those go, those guys go out and do the business. I mean, Steve Moria, I, I, I can't remember a better import. You know, Dougie, Dougie was just like poetry in motion. You know, and, and then Big Shannon had the, a fantastic personality on the ice. And you know, with Stephen and Ian, you know, you'd struggle to find a better first five. You know, guys, but, um, I know. Um, sorry, Robbie, to cut you off because I, I know we. Uh... We, we can talk for like six hours on this and, and Gaz has already warned me I can't. So I just want to go around um, the, the, the rest of the Brits quickly before we get to, to the Coops okay. and, and Steve Moria coming down and uh, Woody, uh, Paul Farmer, uh, Nicky Chin, you know, jumping in, you guys, whatever. What, what was it like? Chinny, obviously you came through the, the ranks. Woody, you came in mid-season uh, when Chris Newton left and Paul, if I remember correctly, you retired and then... Uh, I think it was Stevie Moria uh, recommended to John Lawless you come out of retirement and played against you in a challenge game or something. What 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 was what was the rest of the uh, the Brit Pack's journey to get to Cardiff? Go ahead, Let's uh, go first. I'll go if you want. Go on, Woody. Well, I was I was in Canada at the time and I was playing in Peterborough the year before and I came back and didn't have anywhere to play and I got a hold of Wheeze and I was like can I come and train with you guys? And I'd already played with uh, Chris Newton the year before in uh, Peterborough, so I kind of knew what he was all about. Um, and uh, I trained with, with uh, Cardiff for a little while, and uh, he's ended up signing me. And, uh, you know, and Woody. Nobody knew what Chris was all about. <laughs> Chris didn't know. He <laughs> liked the odd baby, right? Didn't he invent the goal set? When he slammed top of the crossbars, didn't he invent that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, he, he, could, he had his little cooler on top of the net, didn't he? Great <laughs> <laughs> cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I didn't play, get to play too much, but I learned a lot from Jeff, as I did when I was a kid at Streatham. Uh, he was kind of my mentor there as well, and he mentored me in uh, Cardiff, and uh, yeah, put me on to, to good things, and uh, had a great year, great bunch of guys, couldn't ask for anything better, would love to do it all over again. I'm too by, the, by, the, by the way, guys, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I'm not forgetting you, but I think, I think you might come up in the Wembley final. So, uh, you know, uh, mm. we're, we're going to talk, Jeff. But Jeff, you, um, you obviously came down from Telford. Uh, Johnny Lawless talked you into coming down from Telford as well. Yeah, he sold me the dream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which it's probably best if Johnny tells it because I don't want it to be I'm fabricating things. So. Remember the goalie school that you offered me, <laughs> made me sign me. Go on, John. What was the selling pitch? Well, what it was is uh, I said, okay, on top of everything else, but I've got, we're going to go to a goalie school in Canada. Right? And I don't know. Okay, now I got to pull it off. <laughs> I knew I could rent some ice in my hometown, and I knew if a. Uh, um, a goalie that played senior A and I thought, well, maybe I can get him to help Jeff. And anyway, we get over here, we get the accommodation, we got everything set up and it's all good. But, um, 
there's no really a hockey school. There was just ice that me and Jeff rented for about an hour, about two or three times. And I was taking shots on them. But we got to see Canada and, and have a great time. And then the next year, we went over, we brought our stuff, and we thought, well, at worst, if, if that's what happens, what happens, we can do that. We get there. And there's no ice in the arena. <laughs> so we had to do, let's just say we did some dry land training. Okay. <laughs> all drinking, I guess. <laughs> and you still stayed, Jeff. Fair play to you. Third year, we went to the same school, but we didn't take our equipment. The <laughs> 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 water skis. <laughs> And guys, just to finish off, Ginny, what was it like for you? I guess, what were you, uh, did I remember you were like a, a Cardiff schoolboy footballer and then you got into hockey? What was it like uh, training and playing with these guys? I was just a fan. Uh, that was it. Um, I started skating because it was the best place to like, pull young women. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously the hockey started and they needed some, some Welsh influence. And I think there was only three of us that could actually get at that point. And maybe hold a stick and uh we just got pulled in so yeah we just sat there and, and watched these guys play and just went this looks pretty cool yeah i'd like to do this and chinny just finally because he never talks himself up on this show uh what was young neil francis like sorry what was young Neil Francis like? I know he didn't play in that year, but when he came through the juniors... I don't remember anyone named that. <laughs> oh, well, we'll move on then. That's fine. Ginny, <laughs> I, I was the young kid that used to run in training, like every youngster that came up. We were all hey, about 15 years old. The Coops would run me, I'd have to run you. You would just <laughs> pass it on. We are all 10 stones soaking wet, and then you'd get Ginny just hitting you 10 seconds after the play, seeing if you could get back up. So honestly, I just remember a training session, obviously, when I played, were pretty much scrimmage a lot of the time, but they were harder than any game that we ever played in. So, yeah, the scrimmage is a more intense any game that you see on the ice. People would have paid to see what's that, and it was more intense. More fights, more hits, more anything. It was a, it was a tough learning curve, probably, but it worked well. Okay, so... Johnny Lawless, talk me through then the invention of checkbook hockey and, and probably the biggest move leading up to, you know, the Devils going into the Premier. I know we had to play a season in first division, though. You went shopping, Perry Olivier uh, left, um, and, you know, you replaced him with some pretty good players. So what was it like that summer you brought in Steve Moyer and the Cooper brothers? Well, obviously, it was a great opportunity. We had a good uh, ownership, and they saw the bottom line, right? Uh, and I kind of sold them all the time, you know, winning, winning sells, you know, winning, uh, gets you, um, you know, sell outs. So we did the budget and said, well, okay, how much can we uh, spend here? And then obviously, uh, had some scouting trips and I can remember going up and seeing Mo, I could see him in the, the stats in the, the premier division. And, uh, I think I went up and saw him in Solihull and he was playing with Perlini and, uh, Perlini got like nine goals and two assists and Mo had two goals and ten assists, right? And I kind of looked at Mo and I said, 
as good as Fred Polini was, they said, Moe's a better hockey player. His vision is unbelievable. I want this guy. And uh, so, and obviously the, the, the Coopers, they were the, the, the best uh, British players at the time. Um, the combination, obviously there was Tony Hand, but the combination of the, the Cooper brothers on the power play, because there was only three imports. Um, they made the power play and, and any five on five situation, us stronger. So it was, it was a pleasure to go up and talk to these guys and sell them, at, you know, what we're trying to do in part of, and be having that opportunity because I'm sure a lot of other clubs would have liked to have done it, but we were able to do that in part of. So let's let's start with Mo, and then we'll move on to Ian and Stephen. We've already heard Mo about uh, Jeff Smith saying about uh, Johnny Lawless's sales techniques. Mo, how were you sold on Cardiff? Yeah, I was, up, I, was I was playing Fife, uh, and it was just past Christmas time, January, February, and and Johnny started to to call me. Um, I didn't really know anything about Cardiff or the Cardiff Devils. Um, and he continued to call me, you know, uh, yes, initially I said I'd be interested when the season's over, but I think he called me every single week, like a, a Tuesday, in weeks, and um, finally I met him in, uh, in Solihull, as he had mentioned, and it was funny because I had a friend come up, uh, he was staying with me in Fife, and uh, I said to him, I said, hey, we gotta, you want to go down and see another place called Cardiff, they want me to go play the next year, it's a good chance uh, for you to see Wales, and I can get to see Cardiff as well, and... So at that point, it was it wasn't really it wasn't really a definite that I wanted to go to Cardiff, but uh, more of a, a fun little trip possibly. Um, I went down. I love the city. John's a fantastic guy. Uh, someone I trusted. You know, you you know, I got that trust with someone. I really trusted John, and I saw what he wanted to do, and I believed everything he wanted to do, and um, it kind of kind of um, all sort of fell in from there, and. Uh, I think for this, before the season had finished at Fife, I'd made up my mind that I wanted to go to Cardiff. Okay. And we're very thankful to have you. Uh, and, and similarly for Ian and Steve, and, you know, don't forget you guys were dropping down. Not to, You weren't going to the Premier Division or another Premier League club. You had to spend a season in the First Division and take that risk. You were getting promoted. So, Steve and Ian, you were, you were GB internationals. Um, and I know the Devils had a, a little bit of budget to spend, but w was it a risk coming to Cardiff? Yeah, probably think, was. Um, well, let the old boy speak first. <laughs> <laughs> At least you'll get the truth from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the politics. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, we spoke. We spoke to John in that summer, um, and I think, I think once we found out that, yeah, the money was a factor. You know, let's let's not get carried away. It wasn't it wasn't huge. It wasn't huge money. You know, it was just um, an opportunity to go professional and spend more time doing what we loved and actually getting a little bit of a reward from it. Um, but also, I think uh, what what sort of um, consolidated our move, I think, was the roster. So we saw who was on the team. Um, it was it was a huge risk to drop from from what would be top flight into the into the first division and then. Um, but it was a calculated risk. We knew uh, we had some great players to play with. And I think, uh, again, we spoke about Steve Morrie on several occasions, John, didn't we, during, the, during that period of decision-making. And um, you know, I, think, I think knowing that Doug and Shannon and Steve were on the roster, that, that, that just helped 
make our decision a little bit easier. Um, and, and then again, you know, we, 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 we obviously, we followed that league all the way through. We, we, we knew the, the good players in the league and, and John seemed to have rounded up the majority of them. So it was a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, there was a risk, but um, it, it certainly paid off. Stephen, do you remember that night in uh, Lee Valley in the first division when a certain team, McEwen, scored nine plus two? The Lee Valley yeah. against the Devils? I, 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 can't, I can't remember last week, <laughs> 30 years ago. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if that's concussions or what, but um, um, no, Doug, Doug I, I remember Doug playing for Peterborough, you know, someone's already said it, it was poetry in motion, you know, the foot was glued to a stick. And his head was glued to the ice most of the time. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we we were playing with some great players. You know, it was it was just a joy to be a part of um, that collective team. Okay, uh, Ian, what's your version of events? How was uh, how were you sold, Cardiff? Um, like Stephen said, we were talking for a while with Johnny, but I think the catalyst was when Johnny told us more was going. And we'd seen him the year before, and that was it, really. For us. Plus, Tom Smith said he wouldn't give us anything to play, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we just thought we'd been taking advantage of him. And, you know, John made us a, a good offer. He didn't even want me, to be honest. To be truthful, John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this story, this isn't true, is it? Yeah, it's true. What I would say is he was actually pretty thankful that you met him halfway when you signed your contract. <laughs> I always remember that. I mean, we got scorer 20 minutes down the road. Uh, <laughs> we weren't quite made up our minds then, so we'll see how committed Johnny was. Yeah. Well, drive. Fair enough. So what, this was, this was what he met you on the motorway or what have you? Yeah, we met him in Scotch Corner. <laughs> Shannon says 20 minutes from our house. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where you're going to hear me. No, but to be honest, <laughs> that, okay. that was how it happened. And Stephen said, it's either both of us or nothing. So, Yeah. But Ian, you just won Young Players Player of the Year. You'd gone to Calgary and everything. Again, gone to the first division. You you weren't wary of that? Yeah, I was still quite new to the the league, though. But we had to still, polish him. Probably 25 quid a week in Durham. Yeah. How much? So. That's not what you told me then. <laughs> <laughs> you told you it was a tenner. <laughs> I, I wanted let me just say something clear I wanted both the players I wanted Ian I, I was really going to go if I couldn't only get one it was Stephen but I knew that wasn't going to be the case but it was Ian's agent that was really tough to deal with <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, and we, we're going to get onto the season proper, but uh, last but no means least. And Shannon, don't worry, I haven't forgotten you, but I think we're going to do a podcast all on our own with you, Shannon. But Dougie McEwen, uh, John, um, if, if things had turned out differently and we were doing this 30-year reunion, was it Paul Paul Castron would have been the guy on this who, who was initially signed that year? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah Paul's a, a friend of mine growing up. 
up in Sudbury and uh, and he, he backed out the last he's, he's now still a scout for uh, sure. Columbus. Yeah. Columbus yeah Columbus yeah so uh, and he pulled out about a week a week into it and then uh, I mean I'll talk a little bit about Doug before he gets on oh, because sure. I'd, I'd played with Doug prior when I played one season in Elliott Lake and uh, and pretty much uh, we won it's probably the best year Elliott Lake ever had way winning championships but uh, Dougie is one of those players that uh, you just wind him up and let him go if he wants to chase the puck let him go because 80 percent 90 percent of the time he's going to get it mm -hmm. and I remember signing him and a lot of guys looked at Dougie and they go how do we play with these guys Peterborough struggled with it but you just got to go you got to learn as a unit. We had such a, a smart unit. Is go if Doug's in your position, take his. Don't worry about it. But he's going to come out of it. And and if you let him go, he'll. Oh, do you remember that? Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me when when I played back in junior with Doug. Doug was, um, you know, he was outstanding then, right? So him and I were pretty much uh, running up up the numbers for the for the club and. Uh, and so he was really a safe bet for us to fall back on because what he did the year before in Lee, Lee Valley, and I'm just going, listen, you won't go wrong. You know, it was uh, a little bit like my friend Johnny. And Johnny would respect this because we signed a guy in Peterborough called Al Jutras back in the day. It was Cannonwisher that uh, was unsure. I said, listen, this guy, you won't see him on the ice, but I'll make sure we set him up. And, he'll, and he, I think he scored 105 goals in 20 games or something stupid, right? So... Uh, they, they would they would sort of respect what you, like Johnny would take on board. He wouldn't do it all himself. He'd listen to Steve. He'd listen to the Coops, and everyone had would have an input on building a team. It wasn't just him. He'll have the final decision and make that decision. But Doug was one that um, yeah, I think he was pretty pleased he picked him. Uh, I think we all were. And, and and Doug, am I am I might be completely wrong in this? Were you going back to Peterborough and then they let you down and then and then the call came from Cardiff? Is that how it worked? Yeah, that's how it, uh, you hear me, yeah? Yeah, how we can eat. Okay, yeah, that's how I kind of went. I was um, released by Peterborough after they got a uh, promotion. And then they approached me. I was working for one of the owners in the construction building. And uh, he said, uh, we're going to sign you this year, and you're going to play in the Premier League with the, the Pirates. So I spent the whole summer getting in shape, running, and doing what you got to do and stuff. And uh Week before I went on the ice, and I don't know if anybody remembers that coach uh, John Griffiths. Mm -hmm. Remember him? Coach, yep. Yeah. <laughs> he just came, he just came from Holland. Didn't we hire him a couple of seasons afterwards? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, he came. He, came watched one practice. he watched one practice, and he called me over and said, "We're going to have to release you." And I said, "What?" I didn't believe it. He said, "I just yeah, I I'm got to release you." And that was on a Tuesday, I think. And then uh, everything happened in Cardiff. I didn't know what was going on in Cardiff, but I guess the Cam's in-laws knew about it yeah. in Cardiff. So they uh, quickly told Shannon, uh, Doug McEwen's been released in Peterborough, and Johnny just got let down by uh, Paul Castron. So it was like a phone call Wednesday. I went down Thursday to practice and signed a deal there. Like, all of a sudden, just kind of fit in. Johnny's, well, we got a guy. We're going to use him, and here we go. So, uh, so Dougie. Just, just on that, and and I know we, we we'll move on in a sec, but I want to get your take. I'm a I'm a Devils fan for, for for thirty odd years, and we've had some great players. But my favorite forward line for the Devils is still Mario Ian Cooper McEwen. What was it like to play with Mario Ian Cooper? Well, we knew Ian was he didn't leave his wing. He, we knew he, he was covered that side. He'd go to the front of the net and he'd crash and bang with anybody. He didn't care. He didn't care. And uh, Mo was the setup guy. He, would, he knew where to put the puck, where, where to get open, and it was so easy to play hockey on that, on that unit. And obviously, you had the two defensemen at the back, Shannon and, and Coops. I mean, 
all you have to do is go up behind coops and wait for him to knock the guy over and just take the puck, right? So, uh, you guys talked about the Lee Valley days. I think that game, I, when I scored nine goals, yep. I remember seeing the uh, the roof lights probably four times in that game as I was going with Bobby and uh, Stephen Cooper with his buddy, his hip check. <laughs> it was a funny night, too, because the Lee Valley people had had a wager with me for every goal I scored that game, I got 20 pounds. Oh, nice. Or nine and 10 pounds for an assist. So it kind of worked out in my favor. We, uh, we shared the wealth amongst the boys after that game. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, an easy line to play hockey with. And, you know, it was a, a pleasure, really. I mean, uh, as Shannon says, I mean, uh, that's probably part of the way I grew up. Chase the puck, chase the puck. Uh, as far as coaching, I mean, you play a lot of ice time and uh, your coaches didn't correct you, I guess, as a kid. And so it's... It didn't work uh, work out too bad for me, but uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys probably had that up and down hockey sense, and I was kind of over. <laughs> yep. We know, Doug. We know. <laughs> yeah, you've been there. Right? It was your dad that told you never to stop moving your legs. Exactly. Stay away from the boards; you get hurt. No matter where I go on the ice, as long as the legs are moving, that's fine. It's funny Ian mentions my dad. Do you remember the first thing my dad said to you in Cardiff? No. Come on, Shannon. You tell him. He came over and he watched our practice and he called Johnny over and he said, Johnny, have you ever coached organized hockey before? Bernie. And Shannon and I almost choked on our, on our water bottle. I thought he, I thought he said, Did you ever, have you ever played any organized hockey? I think that's what it was. That's why Peterborough let you go. Okay. And, Last but by no means least, before we quickly talk about the league season, but then obviously moving on to Wembley. But um, Brian Canowish, I want to get your views on this because you were coach of the year that year. And uh, uh, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. Sometimes it, it gets forgotten what you did for the team. What was it like to be on the bench and coach these guys? Oh, God. Like everybody's been saying, this whole team from uh, uh, Nicky Chin, Bianu, and Jason Stoney and that, all the way to the top, everybody was so easy to work with. Everybody everybody was their best friends you do everything for everybody on off the ice just it was it was like Johnny said it was, it was everything just sinks in and and you didn't have to everybody knew their job everybody knew this everybody did that so discipline uh, just an unbelievable group of people to work with for like three years I got to play yeah, they were fantastic times. So, guys, we, we want to move on to, to Wembley, but let's not forget, you won the league title that year, uh, only the fourth year in existence. You, you won it against Peterborough when your old friend Chris Newton stepped away from the goal and let Mo score the 14th goal, uh, if, if you guys remember that. So, this is a little bit of a free-for-all. I don't know whether you guys have got any big memories from that season and winning the league. Uh, I know I was speaking to Ian last night about the first trip back up to Durham when I think... Uh, Johnny and, and Ian got thrown out of the game. Ian, did you uh, fight with Rick Brabant that night? I can remember. And there's a few other things as well. So what are your memories, guys, from the league season? <laughs> oh, hey, hold on. Let me tell you about that last that was the best shit ever. <laughs> Peter Burrow came and they took off their helmets and they all had bandanas on that night. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, then Anthony, and then we went on and I can't remember who I was talking to in the bench. I was saying something and I go, oh, I just glanced up and it was like 30 seconds or something and shoots it from across center and I was just looking, oh, there's Newton standing on the goalpost. <laughs> 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 in the bar afterwards, I said, what the 
one and he says, ah, I had to let in another one. Thirteen's unlucky. We <laughs> 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 fired him right there, and then our fans were so good, they did a whip around in the bar and got him his like five hundred quid or something. Yeah, so we could get home. Oh yeah, just like that. <laughs> got Stephen Ian. What was it like that first trip back to Durham when uh, we actually lost twelve four? I think in the Norwich Union Cup. That must have been a big night. And was it Ivor Bennett, Johnny Lawless, who gave uh, you a uh, jumped on you that night? Oh yeah, yeah. I guess there was a few scraps, and then he. Uh, I can. Uh, I kind of remember it, but um, I think he just kind of came uh, with a couple of punches, blindsided me, and then I did my famous turtle. <laughs> Ian, Stephen, what was it like for you going back to the Riverside? Can't really remember the game apart from what I've seen, but uh, very nervous going back in and very apprehensive. We knew it was going to be a tough game and it, and it proved to be just so. Yeah, a couple of fights and jumped by someone else and... I was just happy Rick didn't stand up and hit me back. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it's, all, it's always going to be difficult when you go and go back and play your, your, your sort of your old team. You know, a town where you grew up, you learned your, you, you learned your trade there. And in, in, in everybody's eyes, you've let them down because you've left. So it was quite, a, a, I think, a partisan crowd. They were throwing chocolate bars on the ice. And, um, <laughs> Boost. They were, throwing, they were throwing boost bars on the ice, and uh, I think there was coins being thrown. Yeah, I, I think it was a situation where none of the Devil's Boys right, probably hadn't experienced that sort of thing before, and certainly, as Ian said, I think sometimes you go into a game, I think, a little bit overhyped, and I think the Devils were a little bit, we were all a bit too uptight about the whole game, and all of the guys on the team knew how much it meant to me and Ian to go back and then have the win. And, and and when when you have moments like that, I think you don't you don't play your best. You get you get caught up in fights and get frustrated, and you don't you know when you when you're playing anxious hockey, it's, you know you're never going to be on the winning side. Stephen, I don't know if you remember, but uh, in the warm-ups in Durham, I would have you shoot low blocker, and I'd deflect the pucks and take the fans out on the right side because <laughs> they were so abusive. No, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was awesome. They'd be like dropping <laughs> like flies, man. Thanks for the harm. What about Stephen? The time when we were in Altrinum, remember Altrinum? And they took a shot and they did the flipping Jeff's blocker straight up the stands and wiped out that fan just standing there behind the net in Altrinum. That was a rink and a day one. Yeah, that was the Trafford tournament. Yeah, I remember that. Great. Sorry, yes, jumping yeah. in. That was at a Trafford tournament. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of, I think the amount of players Stephen took out after with deflections from the goalies was quite a few. <laughs> like not players, sorry, fans. <laughs> else to watch that. I, I think the Trafford tournament was the the one that sort of. It was brilliant. Yeah. Had right. I think that sort of going into that tournament with a new team and thinking how are we going to fare and all this, and then we go in and win it all. And I think that sort of set the tone for that whole season. Yeah. So, Shannon, I assume you're one of these players. Who, who made money that year, guys? What, what were the odds? Was it 100 to 1, 250 to 1? Who, who put money on and made a bit of money that year on, on winning the league and winning Wembley? Well, I thought Ian did because he had a new trike the following year. So he <laughs> um, I think Lawless probably had a dabble. Um, Moria, I'm not too sure of, but I was one of the guys that didn't gamble anyway. I know that. So I sort of kept us solid. 
Um, one thing I was going to say about Durham, remember Jeff, the, 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 the 10-nail win at home? And remember Wayne Dobson came down? What was his famous line? Just one goal is all we need. <laughs> just had to throw that in there. Thanks. That was a special night. And, uh, yeah, you won the league. And, um, Mo, I don't know whether you're still on. I've never, I don't know whether you even like talking about this, so I'm, I, we can edit this out. But for some reason, we're a Celtic team. We go and play in the Scottish Cup just before the playoffs start. And you have a run-in with uh, friendly old Grant Slater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't remember too much about that. The only thing I remember about that was um, I saw some Fife fans beforehand, and for some strange reason, they're trying to tell me not to play because Grant Slater is going to get me out of the game. And you hear this kind of stuff all the time, you know, and you don't really you know, take any notice of it, but it just seemed odd. A bunch of Fife supporters were saying this uh, to me that uh, Grant Slater is going to try and take me out. And by my own fault, I was uh, – I think I was skating backwards in the offensive end, and and then uh, suddenly there's a, a stick in the back of my back or neck or something. So yeah. after that, I don't remember. Uh, that was scary for a while. We uh, you you had whiplash, Mo, and we thought we were going to be out for the playoffs. Yeah, I, it was. Uh, I didn't really know how long I'd be out. It was obviously very disappointing because it was close to the playoff time, but. I think I only missed a week, maybe two. Um, I had the I had the collar on. The neck didn't move for quite a while. Then suddenly I started to have some movement, started skating, and eventually got back to playing quickly. Once your insurance claim came through, he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> and and just finally, guys, on on the league season, and and this one's for Johnny Lawless. Unfortunately, Mo being out, but when the trophy was presented, John. You got to hold the league uh, trophy. You were the one who started it all. It had only been four years. How, how proud were you when you got to lift the, uh, the league trophy? Um, I can't, to be honest, really remember it, but I'm sure it was a real proud uh, moment. I think as well as uh, some of the achievements that we all did, initially, too, it was like a relief. We did it because um, – we set out to do it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and it's, you're, it's euphoria. You're pretty excited. But at the same time, too, it's like a relief. And it's worse losing than the, the joy of winning, I felt. And that was, that was the, the driving force that I found was, I can't stand losing. So, you know, let's win. And, uh, and the, the guys did a, you know, a, a tremendous job of buying into what we were trying to achieve and respecting what we were trying to achieve. And it was awesome. Okay. So we've won the league title. We've, we've gone through all of that. And then we're moving on to the, uh, the playoffs. And uh, of course that final 30 years ago, which is uh, the big anniversary of it. So just in terms of some housekeeping, I believe it was Solly Hole and Nottingham in the playoff group. And we, we topped that. And then we go down and uh, for the first time ever, there's a semi-final on a Friday night against Fife. Um, I, I guess for the British players, and you know, I, I always grew up in a, or, or do grow up in a football mentality, and Wembley was special. Um, I know Johnny Burnicle, Brian Wilkie, Archie, Paul Farmer. What, what was the idea like? I, I don't think you guys had played at Wembley. Were you excited about going to Wembley? Well, it was, it was crazy to think, like, 87, I was sitting in a bar in Aviemore, watching Durham against Fife, uh, the Cougars against Moe, 88. Again, watched it again. 
and obviously signed for the Devils and actually playing with these guys. It just the whole history, like the warm up. We we you go off the bus in Cardiff. We went straight straight to Wembley, skated around the ice wear tracksuits. Just the awe of the place. We see it's so empty, holding twelve thousand people. It was just immense. It just 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 taking all in. Was that the same for everybody, guys? Was because I think only four players had played at Wembley, and that was Jeff Smith, the Coopers, and 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 Maury. So for those guys who who hadn't, was it was it nerve wracking? I wouldn't say it was nerve wracking. It was excitement, I think, for myself, uh, just actually going into the uh, old Wembley Arena and just like Archie said, stepping on that famous ice pad. Seeing all those fans up there in the stands, I think that was driving for for, for a lot of the games, and especially in Wembley as well. Like if you've been, like the players, we do our part, but I think we all forget about what the fans can do for us. Well, one thing Cardiff have always had, and always will have, are fantastic fans. Absolutely. Don't, don't, hey, just don't forget, I think uh, the influence too was uh, the and the guys that have been to Wembley, Mo and, and Definat. And Johnny, I mean, they made sure we all tried to stay the same as far as warm up, and we didn't let the uh, the atmosphere and the whole event, you know, over, overwhelm us. I guess because, like you said, we went out without tracksuits because I think they wanted everyone to just to skate on the ice mm -hmm. because new ice it was brand new ice. I think they made it on a Wednesday and it was all crusty ice. I mean, actually, it was terrible out there, but we skated on suits and, and then, uh, like I said, they try to keep it normal, keep us you know, keep our feet on the ground, keep, keep prepared, and then let the game happen and just let the hockey speak for itself kind of stuff. Jeff, did, am I right in thinking you had uh, – sorry, Shannon, go on. No, I think, I think one thing that gave us an air of confidence was, that, was winning the league, right? So going into that, I think we, uh, we felt that we belonged there, right? I think if we had to finish fourth and went into that, it might have been a bit over, overwhelming. But I think, I think we sort of uh, believed in ourselves – that uh, that we could that we could do something special, but but again, it is it's always you know Wembley is a special place, and I don't think uh, you know I think Wembley Wembley's built into the British history, and that and that's sort of the place you want to want to go and play. And it was a fantastic and you know atmosphere. The whole place was brand. You know, first time you go into a building, you got you know, Heineken everywhere. It was a special thing. Stay at the hotel next door, so that those things played into our into your thinking, but. You know, we did stay pretty grounded, and uh, you know, we we at least uh, went in went into that weekend confident, and it was uh, you know it was was great to see the the, the turnout the way it happened. You know, that's Absolutely. my opinion. Yeah. No, nope. agreed. I wasn't scared. No? Mm -hmm. e no, even when you put that cross blue line pass in the first minute against Fife and Paul Hand scored, Shannon. Not that I remember these things. No, that was. <laughs> I had a way of make sure everyone's nerves were settled, right? Get a bad one out of the way early, right? That's yeah. Smitty. See what he's gonna do. Absolutely, and 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 Jeff, just just on that, Jeff, am I right in thinking you had some unfinished business at Wembley when you were at Streatham that maybe your coach Red Emery hadn't uh, managed you and Gary Bryan particularly well, so it was it was a big time for you to go back to Wembley. Yeah, that was the past. So that was that was a different kind of coach, and I think um, Red handled that in the way that he did. But we were a different team. We were pros in not just the fact that commercially we were professional, but also the team, the people that are on this screens now, were extremely professional in their preparation and the way they handled things. And like Shannon was saying, the confidence that we had, we just never believed we were going to lose. 
and I spoke to Stephen and Mo this week about it, and we, we just both, or all of us, have that same kind of feeling that that season we just felt we were we were due to win everything, and it just all came came well. But I think the reason for that was Johnny leading us. I think that Canna as well. It just it just grew and blossomed, which is a joy to play with. So that semi-final, we won't spend too long on it. We, we went 1-0 down, Paul Hans scored. I think Dougie scored the Devils' first ever goal at Wembley. Score a second period, and then we win 5-1 in the end. Mo grabs a couple. Uh, Ian grabs one. And, uh, and Brian Wilkie gets one. Brian, that must have been a, a, a great moment for you scoring at Wembley. Yeah, I mean, uh, just going back to what Archie was saying, back up in Aviemore as a, as a kid growing up, I remember in the back garden of my grandmother's house, <laughs> an old broken coho. Um, and that used to get called in because uh, grandstand at one o'clock on a Saturday it was I think it was Dundee Rockets, uh, Murrayfield Racers I think were on 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 at Wembley, and I used to put the old Blackhawk shirt on and uh, I was I don't know nine ten years old I think and uh, always dreaming the dream come true you know to play at Wembley one day and it's you know it's just amazing that 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 came true and and going back to skating on the ice um, uh, Shannon and and, and Doug and that was just saying. On that Friday, um, a good friend of mine who, who, who still is and um, uh, lived in Glasgow, he was, he was a fantastic player as well, a guy called John Hester. Um, he, was, he was put in charge of making the ice at Wembley. So he knew us from Abbey Moore because Glasgow used to come up for the summer leagues and stuff. And uh, I remember John saying, uh, saying to me at, at Wembley uh, when we're skating around with the tracksuits on at the end, uh, he was with the Zambonis and stuff, and he... He said something like, uh, "Don't worry, Wilkie. We've made the ice nice and fast for you." But it was very brittle. I remember it being like, like very tinny. You know, it was weird to skate on. But just that flash came back to me, uh, just skating on that ice that day. But uh, yeah, that was, it was a dream that'll never go away. You know, guys, we win the semi-final five-one. It's, it's on a Friday night. How strict is is Mr. Lawless? Do you do you stay in the hotel all day Saturday, or you're out having a few uh, drinks in the hospitality tent? I was in early. I don't know the rest. Of them. <laughs> well, in the hospitality tent early. <laughs> Didn't open till one. Yeah. I think I think we were all pretty professional guys. Like we 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 knew it was at stake, and I think everyone took it pretty. We didn't have to really bust anyone's balls or or go after anyone. Or Johnny didn't have to over police, or Kenner didn't have to over police because he knew that that we took our job serious, right? We were, we were there to win and. You know, if you're gonna have a couple beers, have a couple beers. Whatever, whatever. I was, gonna, I was in that bed like ten o'clock. There you go. <laughs> and I think Ruth and Jason rolled in at about five thirty. Nice. <laughs> That's <laughs> how you do Wembley. We were in bed. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think Canner, you ever had to worry about us missing curfew or anything. We just we just turned up and play hockey, you know. So I think so we had a pretty good act. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. We we never worried one iota about that, but if we won something, then we sure do how to party. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. That. That's my final question: How big was the celebration? But Wembley well, well, was our format. We used to play every week for beer. Okay. Heineken <laughs> 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 And swimming. It felt like a training session. <laughs> Franny told us on another podcast, guys, I don't know whether this is true, there was like, 
hamburgers in the dressing room and, and kegs of Heineken on tap. Is is that true, or is that just Franny and Chinny and Stoney enjoying that? There it is. Yeah, I was saying, I was saying to the guys that everyone yeah. thinks that Wembley, because it's the big arena. Wembley they, burgers. There would be the big fancy dressing room, but it wasn't, was it? It was built for oh. concerts, so I think yeah, the teams were even split across two changing rooms, and they were tiny by the time you had all the kit bags on the floor. There was no room to, to move. It wasn't uh, fancy yeah, by any means. But they had, yeah, you had a keg of Heineken in there. And the best thing ever is after the game when they came in and delivered those burger and chips. So if you remember yeah. that as well. <laughs> Here we go. Let's, let's not forget, rest in peace. We had Heather, who was the best physio out there. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there was a lot of off-ice staff who, who aren't on, and uh, Owen Jenkins as well. I think Pat Ashman was there. So I guess all those guys uh, uh, contributed to what was a, a fantastic year, a fantastic team. OJ, the juice. And I think the boys mentioned something earlier, Sean O'Neill. Sean O'Neill was the first guy I met when I arrived there as well. And Sean was a huge part in helping. He got current oil involved, which got the money involved in this thing. So, you know, there's some guys around the scene that uh, really played a big role in building this club, you know. Okay, I better put a plug in there for Heather and OJ. No, and rightfully so. They were a big, big part of it. So um, moving on to that final, because it is, uh, you know, we saw the BBC clips this week, and um, for any Devils fans of a vintage age, that, that probably, it is for me, the the biggest and best moment in Cardiff Devils history, that, that final against Murrayfield. I guess it was right that we were playing the, the team that finished second and, and had won the Autumn Cup, so it was almost like the rubber match for who was the best team in the country. Um, John, Brian Canowish, did, did, did you guys, I know, with, with Tony Hand, did you guys ever go into a match with any special thoughts about Tony Hand? I know Murrayfield were deep anyway, but obviously he was the iconic guy. Did, did, did you fear Tony Hand? No. No, he's just, I mean, he's the greatest British player to play the game, but... Uh... That uh, it, we, we know how to play the game. We just another player to us. You got to watch him. You know, they got to watch Mo. They got to watch everybody. Well, serves. I think Robin most people him. feared his mother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. When we were left, oh, that was a yeah. Harry Field. She used to sit behind the bench. Yeah. Shout out to the Winnie the witch. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Don't take the penalty. <laughs> it was crazy yeah. so w w were there nerves that day you know it's it's the final or, or you know Leo Koopmans was coach of Murrayfield he, he was his last game he wanted to win or John did, did you just keep it as, as normal as possible the routine uh, the routine I guess we try to keep it as normal as possible and try to keep everybody sort of balanced right um, and I just you talked about Tony Hand there. Um, he, you just got to respect him. And I think we we're able to do that because he, I just remember, he always used to go over the blue line delay and then everybody kind of gets sucked into, okay, what's he going to do? And then all of a sudden he'll hit the, you know, the guy, the trailer or whatever, but he was so hard to contain or you couldn't eliminate him, but you had to try to just contain him. Um, but, uh, I don't think the routine was much different. So the um, the first period, guys, was a was an interesting one, and I don't know what people's recollections of it. Obviously, you know by now I'm very OCD. So we go a goal down in the first minute. We're we're three nil down with sort of 17 minutes gone in the period. 
and then the period somehow manages to end up uh, three all with uh, Mr. Ian Cooper, Doug McEwen, and Steve Morris scoring. Um, it was pretty wild. What, what, what are people's recollections of that first period? If you have any. No. We were kind of happy going in 3-3 at the end of the first. I think that was about yeah. it. Yeah. I think yeah. We looking back at on the video last week, we, we looked like we were playing nervous, to be honest. Ian, was your call the big one to settle everyone down? Of course it was. Of course it was. Doug, <laughs> <laughs> oh, was your goal the big one to settle everyone down? Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess yours was the biggest of the lot, eh? It was definitely the biggest one. There we go. <laughs> oh, hey. other coops. Yeah, no, we got a whole section. So, three all, four three at the end of the second period break. Let's let's cut to the the, the big stuff. So we're in the. We're in the third period, um, if memory serves, 5-3 down. Ian Cooper gets another one, 5-4. Tony Hand scores 6-4. Um, and then kind of Johnny Lawless gets run into the plexiglass by Steve Moore. And, and just before uh, people notice that, Dougie scores a fifth goal for Cardiff when you go coast to coast, Dougie. Do you remember that goal at all? Only from remembering to watch the video. <laughs> yeah, have you watched it back? You score off your I knees, don't you? He's yeah. got like 3,000 coast-to-coast goals, so how does he remember <laughs> that one? Yeah. <laughs> What's that video, and knowing what we know today, how we won that game was just, I don't know how. It's like we're down 3 nothing. And when, yeah. you know, most hockey games, you're down that much, you're going to be out of it. And we're down 6-3, and we came back. We just, we just came back. We just never quit. I think we had mm -hmm. the belief, like, like you said, Tanner said, we believed in our ability. And we just kept pushing and pushing, coming back. I mean, all the way, right to the end. And I, think that's, Steve, I think that's the difference. I think that's what, what set us apart all the way through the league. What set us apart was even when we were down and sometimes buried, we, we, we'd never give up. As John said, we, we, it hurt so much to lose. Um, we, we had to win. And I think uh, with most teams, most teams being 3-0 down, 6-3 down in a game, that, 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 you know, teams would have dropped their heads and uh, the game would have been over. But, you know, the Devils, were, we were different. We were different. We, that's the way we trained on the ice. We, we, we trained hard, played hard and believed in ourselves. And I think, um, you know, testament, we, we did come back twice. We, we, we didn't want to lose because, you know, the loser had to buy the beer. Yeah. <laughs> and that come from practice. Right? I, 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 think, I think one of the key things about it as well is, it didn't come from one player, right? The comeback wasn't, let's look at Tony Hannon, let's see if he can turn this thing around. No one knew who was going to step up. Was it going to be yeah. Steven, Ian, Mo, Doug, me, you know, Johnny, uh, Bernie, who knows, right? So even down to, uh, the, the, you know, the posse at, in, in later years, you know, you don't know who was going to step up and, and score that goal that was needed, right? And it just happened to be that it, it deflected off Coop's uh, shin pad or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> I, know, my partner. I, always give, I always let him go. I let him roam. <laughs> that, was, that was a huge goal. That was, that was amazing. It was, uh, it was, it was special. Sure. Shannon, just a question for you, I guess, on that. And, it, was and we talk... in. it was a tap in. It was a tap in. It was yeah, the pass that made it, Ian. Yeah, Why did they have it in your uh, in your repertoire? That was that was awesome pass. Those are the best goals that happens. <laughs> <laughs> right, you, place, that's right why Johnny, Johnny signed you both, Coops. That's why. That's why. <laughs> like that. 
Shannon, we, we, we talked about the Brit pack and how important they, they were, but as that game got into its uh, late stages, maybe the bench was shortened a little bit. Any recollection how many minutes you think or approximations how many minutes you played in the three periods and overtime? I think it was off for 30 seconds. That was about it. That's all <laughs> I Just pretty much uh, stayed out there. But, but, you know, that's all our hard training and possibly the summer uh, hockey camp, Johnny, that got us fit for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all about the camp. So, uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why Johnny signed me is that I could, I could, I could stay out there for lengths of time and just know how to recoup and, uh, and, uh, and, and all of us, you know, the bench got shorter and, and actually we loved it. Right. And if, you, if it got shorter, there's more demand on you and just, you got to step up and that's what they pay us for. Right. So, and that's why these imports, you know, and, uh, and, and the coops and that stayed in this game so long because, you know, there's, there's talent there that, you know, we knew how to win. Not, that's the difference. Well, Shannon, fair play to you. Apart from uh, Stephen would have been up there with you, but he took an injury at the start of the second period. But I, you, you took four minutes in penalties in the first period. And apart from that, you didn't leave the ice. That was it. Okay. Well, City Cubes, we're putting some numbers in. There we go. Okay. Yeah, that, so, injury was, that injury was a nasty one. <laughs> it looked nasty. Do you, want to, do you want to confirm what it was, Stephen? No, we're not going to talk about it. Head of fixed it, though, right? Head fixed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, somebody had a great idea of uh, let's, let's spray on some plastic skin. That was a good idea. That was a good idea. That hurt, that hurt more than the injury. <laughs> was a head doctor, wasn't he? <laughs> He was the I think he was a bad. He was the stitches out of you, So, John, I think I've seen you say in previous interviews, I, I talked about you being put through the plexiglass by uh, Steve Moore. It's 6-5 and then there's a break and you guys go into the locker room. How important was that break? For Shannon, huge. Oh, for Shannon, yeah. <laughs> on for 57 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, obviously it, it turned out so well. I um, I can't really remember uh, what was said then. Right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, we knew the situation we were in. There wasn't much time left and we needed a goal. Um, and to be honest, the, of all the three things, the only three things I really remember about that game, fourth, including winning, was Cooper's, Stevens' tying goal, Mo having a breakaway in the shootout, and right at the start, it looks like he's going to lose the puck and go over to the boards and not even get a shot away, and he scores. And uh, obviously, Tony Hand coming down that last uh, penalty shot, and Jeff making the, the save, and everybody coming out on the ice. Um, I, I even talking about all this with the guys, like I go, oh, did that happen? Oh, did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> obviously. I watched I watched a bit of the video this week. It was so cool. Great memories, and it's is great to relive. Okay, let let let's do the goal, and and anyone can chip in on this. And let's give Stephen some some credit. I think still the most uh, famous and iconic goal in Cardiff Devils history. So it's it's six five. I think it's a three on two. There's a drop pass from Moria to to Ian Cooper, and then there's a, a seam splitting pass to uh, certain number fifty five, who's uh, who's driving the left side of the net. I think it's a nice one-timer, not off his shin pads. And then he takes out Martin McKay and, and takes out the net and everybody goes wild. Um, Steven, do you want to start? What, what, what was that goal like for you? 
Yeah, obviously it's it's the one that you remember. There's not there's not been many other goals that I've remembered during my career, but that one obviously that one obviously um, sticks in my mind. Um, my biggest concern at the time was I I, I thought because we didn't have a great um, it was Nico Tolman, right, the ref. Yep. And, uh, we didn't have a great relationship with Nico Tolman, so <laughs> it was a bit unpredictable. Um, he would do his best to um, to turn the game against us. Um, there it is. My, my, my initial concern was he was going to disallow it. I knew I knew the goal was good, and the, but you know, with taking the net out, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, here, here we go. He's going to disallow it. But anyway, red light goes on, and he's pointing at the goal. So that's that was euphoria. It was a great. It was it was great. Uh, it was a great time. Um, and obviously, it just just re reset the reset the game, didn't it? So we we then had the opportunity to. Um, bring our fitness into it so we, we go into overtime and uh, and the rest is history uh, Ian in all seriousness in the game when you when you scored how I much was, time I think it was 90 seconds I think yeah. Yeah. Cool. Ian in all seriousness did did you know you and Stephen playing together for so long did did you expect him to make that play and that's why you made that pass the, the key is the delay in the drop pass by Mo. Okay. Otherwise, Stephen wouldn't have gotten to the edge of the crease. So, yeah. right. it's a good, it's always a good play. Button hook, delay. Nice. Yeah, it, it was still, still a great pass. You had to put air on that thing. And there's only one way it's going. But if you've seen Coop's stick, yeah. it's got such a hook in it, it can only go one way. So, it was never going to miss. <laughs> Unless you probably had a little. Before, <laughs> I just bounced it off that stick. <laughs> I think Ian's pass was actually going the net, and Stephen took the goal from him. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a shot on that. You said it, Wendy. I can't believe it. <laughs> for, for the guys on the bench, what was it like? Was it was it euphoria? You know, what 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 was that celebration like? Not if anybody else saw it, but I think I think we were in shock the whole game. Being so outplayed, yeah. I think I think for a, a great period of the, of the game we were outplayed, uh, and and that wasn't something that we'd kind of experienced throughout the season. You know, we'd always we'd always really led led our games. So to be to be three nil and six three down, it was like what the hell? What the hell's going on? Um, so that that for me that was a real. Uh, Something that stuck with me was like, how, how the hell were they so convincing in, in parts of the game? I do remember Jeff making some huge saves in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to come on to that. Jeff, do you remember that save from Mollard with, with about, I dare ask, thing? But, but Jeff, I, I, just in regulation time, after season scored, Mollard had a one timer in the high slot and was labeled for the bottom corner, and we all thought it was in. Do you remember um, kicking out a pad and making that save? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why change tradition? Yeah. There was Jeff, you made hell of a save. And there was a lot of action going on in that game. And I think the focus was obviously contained in the last sort of 10 minutes of penalty shots and stuff. So stuff going through the game. I haven't watched it back ever. Maybe I should, but. You should. We all, we all played our part. Franny, did you say you watched it back this week and you were still getting butterflies? 
Yeah, I, I was I'm actually sorry. at the game. I watched the, the final from behind the goal where the shootout was, which is a Murrayfield block. Me and my dad were the only Devils fans in there. I was 14, <laughs> had a white Devil shirt in there. And you can see me in the celebrations. But, um, I mean, I'm like the same as you. I, you know, it's so long ago that the, the detail sort of fades into what you've seen on video clips. But I watched it again uh, this week when it, it popped up on the timeline. And even watching it, there was some, some butterflies and some nerves. And you know the outcome, but still, it just seems so incredible that, uh, you know, 3-0 down in so early on in the game, you know, for a team in, the, in their first year in the final, you think that's like, you know, that you've blown it on the big occasion. But, you know, that will to, to win on the team definitely stood out. And, um, you know, being down with 90 seconds to go and then Stephen pops in that goal, it, it was incredible. And what, what blew my mind even more when I was watching it back is the ice time that the guys logged, like, like you said. Um, you know, big occasion. There's one game left in the year. You pretty much... Uh, John, you'll, you'll know better than me, but um, for the last two periods, we're rolling maybe four forwards with a, a couple of guys spotting in. Uh, mm -hmm. Shannon and Stephen playing, well, not coming off the ice. Uh, and it was still good quality hockey. It was high pace, end-to-end. -end, and, you know, watch, I rewatched back OT today, actually. You're, you're talking about with Mollard going down, and he, if I'm right, John, uh, we were talking earlier, he'd won the semi-final in the last minute or so. Yeah, he went to Davies playing flags. Yeah, and, and he put that. And Mollard was a really good player, wasn't he? I mean, I remember um, Murrayfield had a good team. Their imports are really good that year. You know, let alone Tony Hand and Scott Neal. You know, they had... He nah, he wasn't all that. Uh, <laughs> he was good. <laughs> he was good. Brian McKee. They had, yeah. they had Chris Kelland. A lot of good guys. Um, and Jeff makes the save and then... JJ, I think we go down the other end, don't we? Three on one, and yeah. this is probably one that Doug doesn't want to get. Um, yeah. so Let's bring it up for Dougie. Let's, let, does Doug, Doug, do you remember the three on one? with? The, I know you're going to say no, but do you remember the three on one with about a minute <laughs> left in overtime? No. <laughs> there, there was a time when Doug used to remember every single point that he scored and every bus trip that he'd been on. I remember being on the bus with you, and you'd say, yeah, this is my 902nd bus trip. And you knew more from, from Junior. Were they having a few beers or what? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, you, you probably were made it up, but I bought it. That's the problem. Hey. So, but, yeah, there was, when, when you watch it back, we Mollard, Jeff makes a big save on Mollard, then it comes back down the other end. Um, I think it's Wheeze, Mo, it and is. Doug, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it comes to Doug on the back door, and uh, Jeff flashes wide, and that, that's the last chance of overtime, isn't it? So you could have saved us a shootout, Doug. You could, Doug. Uh, drama, drama. The whole season was drama. <laughs> yeah, so overtime, we, 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 uh, I, I don't remember it um, as being massively eventful. I do remember Jeff making some great saves. I remember Tony Hand going coast to coast and then missing an open net on the short side. And as we just discussed, Dougie, who had a fantastic game. Um, but yeah, he had a, had a chance on the short side, back door. Uh, and unfortunately, it went wide. So Shannon's played another 197 minutes, and um, we're, we're done, and we go to the shootout. This is uncharted territory. This this is, hasn't happened in, in, in Britain before. You know, uh, Mo, you, you go up for the toss as captain. I think you win the toss. What, what are you thinking at this stage as, as captain? Is this just a, a crab shoot now? Is this a free-for-all? Not at all. In my mind, um, I wanted to shoot first. 
um, and my thinking was, I felt Jeff Smith was mentally tough. I thought he was mentally tougher than any uh, Murrayfield shooter. So I wanted Jeff to be, be able to make that save to either win it um, for us or stop them from winning and continue onward. So that was sort of my, maybe that was more so that we as the shooters didn't have as much pressure, but I felt Jeff Smith could handle the pressure better than anyone. And, and Jeff, for you, is a, a, you know, they talk about in football that goalkeepers maybe don't feel pressure in a penalty shootout because, you know, they can either be the hero or it's not their fault. How were you feeling going into that penalty shootout? I loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved every second of it because it, it just focuses in on the chance that we've got of winning it. So from my point of view, I was very keen to get it going. I, I love penalty shots anyway. Um, I, I went through, really weirdly, I went through my career and I never let one in. But when, when players in normal games, I never ever let a penalty shot in, which is quite insane. Um, but I obviously let a lot in in that penalty shootout. But um, I loved them. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's quite harsh on yourself, Jeff. There were 24 shots in total. So I'm going to get quite OCD now as we, as we go Just through them. Just a question from, go from me, John. So uh, to either Wheeze or Canna, who picked the five shooters? I, I can't remember. Oh, we, we all did. Did, did, did no, guys no. put their hands up or did? I thought it was Canna. I think, I think I went first, I think. Yes, you did. Yeah, you in first, Dougie second, Mo third, Ian and uh, Stephen. Ian and then Stephen. I, I just wish you didn't choose me. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out okay. Shannon, yeah, did yeah, you want one? No, no, no. I was, I was, well, I was, I was He's quite tired. tired. I'd already he played. Was IV. Minutes, so <laughs> I was done. My job was done. I got up to that point. I'd, I'd leave it to the boys to finish off. And you know, I think, you know, we we, we pick five good guys to shoot. Um, and, and the pressure, you know, was, was still on us, even on the bench. You still felt so nervous. I remember Coops, you know, hiding out down the, the alleyway yeah. there. I, I, really, I couldn't watch it. anymore. It was painful. I remember that. It, it, was, it was almost like uh, my job's out there to do, play the defensive role. And Smitty, I know he could do his job. So, hey, let the boys who, who want to shoot, shoot. And, and you uh, couldn't do spinner arms on penalty shots. So that's they, they, they down on that. So I said, hey. I was I was quite I was quite uh, happy not not having to take a shot and kind of glad now the way it all turned out. So and uh, yeah. once hits are th thinking it was my fault for hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So housekeeping uh, housekeeping guys, we actually go three 0 up. Uh, Johnny Lawless scores, Dougie scores, and. Uh, Mo scores and Scott Neal misses, Tony Han misses. So we're three nil up. Do, 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 you know, is the feeling in we're going to win it at that stage? Yeah. Yeah. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I yeah. didn't think one of the Coopers would ever miss. I had money on Ian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's, it's the elephant in the training, isn't it? Ian, Ian, Ian was the one that really threw it away, Steve. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got that. Yeah, you guys, everyone had a great game. I guarantee you, if Shani had taken a penalty shot, he wouldn't have got a shot away. I <laughs> <laughs> would have been horrible. Starco, Spinarama, freaking yeah, no chance. Spinarama or shot from the top of the circles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. so let's deal with the elephant. Go I, watched Ian's, I watched Ian's back, and Ian, you were so close to winning it. It was actually a really good move, wasn't it? You, 
You goes five hole, didn't it? Pull across and go five hole, and it's yeah. just, it's literally a fraction of an inch away from from winning it in that first round. But nobody would have remembered it if we'd have won it in one round. So you may as well go two rounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well played. Yeah, the BBC was stopped. What hockey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was this was going out live on Grandstand, wasn't it? And they paused every other event that they were covering yeah, yeah, to yeah. Uh, snooker world, can't you? Yeah. And, Guys, uh, just just uh, on the Stephen Cooper, uh, Stephen, and, and I apologise for this. I also apologise to John Burnicle as well, because I'm in the stands with my brother. I'm an eight years old, and Stephen, I don't know why you swapped your helmet. You went to the old Wayne Gretzky bucket helmet, and you missed twice. And my brother turned around to me and went, "Is that Stephen? Or have they sent effing John Burnicle out there?" This <laughs> 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 boy. Yeah, I, I, you know, look, looking back, I, I think. Uh, I had the visor on, so we were sweating buckets. Yeah. And it was steaming up, and we were standing around waiting for the next shooter, and we were wiping with the cloth, and it was steaming up again. So in the end, I, I, I said, oh, give, you know, give me a, give me a Joffre helmet, and I'll, uh, I'll try it without the visor on. Yeah. H hindsight's a lovely thing, but I should have just left my own helmet on. <laughs> I, actually, I actually blamed that on the my focal visor. He's never put on a VM since then. No, never. <laughs> and as I said, Bernie, no, just you know, you, you know, you might have been the sixth one, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So we so we go through this. One thing uh, I did notice, JD, I noticed Chinny sitting on the bench. I swear you were you were begging for a call up for those shootouts, Chinny. I was. Yeah. I was like hanging over the boards. <laughs> I did one one. Yeah. Hi, Glove. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some people call it arrogance, I call it confidence. <laughs> or maybe cheeseburgers and beer. Nice. Okay. So um we go through a second round and, and Jeff is the hero because we 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 we've got a couple of chances to lose it. Kellen hits the post, he saves from hand again. We go into the third round, and um, John Lawless, I remember, again, I did an interview with you a couple of years ago, and you kindly told me this story. You had two moves that you were confident in. When it went to the third round, you were a bit shot. Um, I think my moves were top shelf, glove side, and a deke, and throw it upstairs. Uh, and then after that, I don't know what to do. And I always admired the guys that could do five-hole. I couldn't do it. I just thought, oh, no, you can't just put it between the guy's legs. And... <laughs> So anyway, I scored in the first two, and then I go, now what do I do? <laughs> so I can't remember what I did in the third. I missed. And uh, so you missed my glove again. I did. Yeah, I he went glove. And and then you got pushed over by their bench. Remember? Yeah. That? yeah. So you shot the scoreboard with your first two, didn't you? Yeah. You, fast. you shot the scoreboard, and, they, and, they, and then I got <laughs> shot. <laughs> somebody steps out and nails you. Yeah, you're a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, folks could call. And and Mo, uh, John mentioned it earlier. I remember your second shot. Do you do you remember when uh, the puck bobbled on you and you were going away towards the penalty boxes? Yeah, it was a it was a it was a tough one because you know I'm thinking, okay, I'm confident. I I, I love taking penalty shots as it is, and then suddenly, you know, the puck goes off to the right side. Um, and I'm not far. I'm not that far away. So I'm, by the time I retrieved the puck and got back, I had a look. And through the keeper stayed deep in his net. Gave me, gave me time to come across and, and take a shot. But 
my pet, my worry was that I, that puck would go loose up the side there, and the keeper would come out, and I wouldn't have anywhere to to shoot or deke or, or I wouldn't have a play. So I was quite fortunate. And I think so, I think Tony Hand goes across then to Toman, doesn't he, and tries to claim that yeah, the shot got off. The and shot he, was taken. Yeah. Um, but Toman on that day, I think probably for the first time this year was uh, was looking out for us because there was another penalty shot. Uh, I think it was the Kelland one that you mentioned where he hits the yeah. post. Uh, he starts off. And then Toman waves it off because Jeff had come off his line too early. Yeah. And Callan's going nuts on that. So I think that might have played in his mind again. So Jeff, was that deliberate or was that just uh, a little bit a little bit over keen? Over keen, definitely. Definitely. Well, say it was deliberate, it was gamesmanship. <laughs> <laughs> move of Moe's though was just sublime. That that move of Moe's about was just amazing. I watched and that. I think I'm right in saying that Mo was the only one not to miss a penalty shot that night. He was. Yeah, he was. Why he said he was pretty good at penalty shots. <laughs> like Mo, did you did you have a shot in mind before you lost the puck and then changed? Or? Um, usually, yeah, I usually I don't really have the what I want to do. I think, but what's the goal? Keeper stayed a little bit further back the net so I tended to shoot more um, rather than try and go around a keeper. You they give you, right, Mo? Yeah, exactly. What the keepers give you. I always remember that piece of advice off Mo was if they're out far, shoot low. If they're in tight, shoot high. There we go. I'll steal that for commentary. So guys, before we go on and win it, and Stephen, I don't want to dwell on it, but there is a very famous shot when you miss your second penalty shot and then you go down the tunnel and you're crouching down and it looks like you're throwing up and what have you. Um, how, how, how did you feel when that second shot was saved and you, you can't watch anymore? Well, yeah, I mean, listen, the emotions are off the scale. You know, we, we wanted the win so badly. You've got a couple of chances to... to to, to win the game for the, for the team, for the club, for the fans. And uh, you, you, you royally screwed up. And, um, you know, what, what, what happens, as I said, in, in practice, penalty shots are a piece, piece of cake. And then you, you're out on the big, on the big screen. And uh, I froze, I guess, and um, it didn't do very well at all. So I left, I left, I took myself off the ice and found a quiet spot just to compose because, you know, was there going to be another penalty shot, you know, but I, I seriously, I couldn't watch another, another shot being taken. Uh, it was tough in the stands. Um, so we go into the third round, John, you, you miss, you get tripped over. Thankfully, Scott Neal, uh, Jeff, you know, forces him out wide and Scott Neal misses. Dougie, you're up again. You've scored one, you've missed one but you score a beautiful penalty shot to put the pressure on them. Do you remember much about that? No, it's, it's kind of like what Mo says. you got to read and react to what's going on in front of you. The goalie's in, he's out, he's, you know, and I think uh, just trying to do something was uh, just avoid the bad ice. Like, uh, like that's when Mo nearly lost the puck there a little bit. And so you just got to make sure and, and just do what you got to do. I think uh, – Went on the bench, and that was, uh, you can see in the, in the replays and stuff, I was just happy I scored and you know, put the pressure back on them. That was, uh, that was basically a great shot, Dougie, right? Right. The famous fake slap right? shot, wasn't it? Dougie's fake yeah, slap. Fake, uh, he never moved, though. Marty never, the goalie never yeah. moved. Uh, uh, crap. He oh, tried it again. Uh, uh, and shoot it. I mean, uh, that was it. He was far enough back on his net, and I was fortunate to put one in. So. And basically just put the pressure on them, and then Jeff come up with the goods. That was, that was the idea, really. 
one one thing I did notice when I was later that day, a couple of years later on, that was he the save that. Yeah, ninety-five against Mackay against Sheffield. <laughs> one thing I did notice when you look back at the video, just before Doug, you take your third round shot. So the last shot that we take, Jeff comes up to you on the red line and says something. Do you remember that at all? Yeah, I do. I do you remember that, Jeffrey? I remember it, but do you remember it, Doug? Not really. Tell me about it. I said to go low. Go low. Go low. Mm. You shot low, right? Yeah, you shot low. Low glove, low glove. Nice. Okay, so Jeff, it goes back to you, and it's Tony Han's third shot, and anyone who watched the video back, Barry Davis, the famous commentator, has the line that uh, Tony Hand has missed twice. He comes down on you. Tony Hand was never a great breakaway guy. Did, did, you know, how did you read and react against Tony Hand? I think he was all automatic pilot by that stage. He was just kind of just getting the group to do it. You, you've done it so many times in training and stuff, and there's no way you can say that you plan. You've just got to do what comes naturally, and that's exactly what happened, really. So... Tony, you, he doesn't try and make a move on you. He just kind of, you, you, you're a stand-up netminder, Jeff, aren't you? And he, he, he didn't make a move and he just kind of fired into your body, fired into the pads. Yeah, I think probably what I did was just went back with him, cutting his ankle down. He didn't really have anywhere to go. That wasn't, wasn't skill on my part. That was just I went with him and he dug himself into a spot, really, so he had nowhere to go. I think he did the same thing with his earlier shot, just shot into my body. Which Tony is, has no moves. He's <laughs> <laughs> never been on breakaways. Never been on breakaways. Yeah. We know that it'll be a lot easier. So, Jeff, you're the, the hero. The helmet comes off. One question I've always wanted to ask, and I know you guys are exhausted by this stage. Brian Cannawisher, how do you get there first? Uh, well, I'll tell you why. Because, just because what we were saying right here. Uh, it's weird. It's it's very eerie that all this stuff is happening, right? And then when Drecker scored, I go and I'm standing on the boards there, and I said, "Oh, Tony Hand's gonna miss. Everything comes in threes." The wife Scottish, she says, "Everything comes in threes." I said, "He's missed twice. Tony Hand's gonna miss. Smitty's gonna shut him down, and I'm gonna be the first one there." Knew it was gonna happen. Because the whole, the whole way it went. I've seen the happy Kelly. Everything but it all went just strangely and fell in place. It was just a, a, a great time. Like, unbelievable. No, that's staying in. I'll tell you what I did after the game. Go on. Oh, we were so, it was, we were so excited. It's one of those where you get drunk, I think, within like a beer and a half because your adrenaline is just pumping through the roof right so boom get get that wicked playoff beard can shaved off right away for him. <laughs> going out there i was gonna steal the heineken flag from the rafters yeah. the, the only ice already nobody was there the fans were gone i said i'm stealing the net then for the boys like the basketball players yeah i remember that so buzzed my my I had a little exacto blade and I cut the first part of the net and the blade broke in half. And I turned the saw away on the net. And the security guy comes up and goes, What are you doing? And I'm going, I'm taking the fed, what does it look like? <laughs> 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 
little half a piece of blade. Couldn't cut my finger. We went off to get some, uh, a backup, and I had the net by then. And we got, what did we get fine, Johnny? Like 1200 bucks or something for that net. <laughs> <laughs> but we all got a piece of the net. It was awesome. Worth every penny. So, Guy, and, and ask the obvious stupid cliche question. I, I suppose I'm looking at, again, you, John, but, but anyone else. Uh, you've just gone through the biggest kind of moment in British hockey. People still talk about it 30 years later, and you've, you've come out on the winning side. You know, how did that feel? Freaking amazing. I, I think, too, uh, to do it in such a short time, four years since the Cardiff had started, and, uh, you know, every team that got into the Premier Division got relegated uh, the next year. They get promotion relegated, and uh, for us to be able to do it with the group of guys and to have the memories forever is awesome. Just a, a great achievement. And and Mo, you you got to lift the trophy. You did your best to break it, if I remember, and and you dropped the uh, the, the the top of it. And it was a weird one at Wembley as well because of grandstand. The Murrayfield had to stay on the ice, but uh, you must have been exhausted. But to lift that trophy in front of the Devils fans was uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, he doesn't have soft hands at all. He's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I mean, um, it was the it was the greatest year probably of my my career. It was the greatest game or the most memorable game I've ever been involved with. And uh, I think at the end of the game, it was just uh, pure exhaustion, uh, pure elation, and um, you know so much excitement and and relief and and um, just the team we had, phenomenal bunch of guys. And I know a lot of the guys have touched on it about how we were destined to win that year. I truly believe that. I always thought that uh, we were always going to win everything. That's just the mentality that we had. And finally, uh, I suppose there's a question to, to round this uh, up. What were the celebrations like? I remember a lot of hair in all the sinks in the dressing room. Oh, playoff beard. Yeah. <laughs> we're all drunk. Yeah. I remember the burgers. I can just, we, I can just we, remember we, that. That year spurred me on to, like, that's what I want to do. I want yeah. to be a pro hockey player. Yeah. What's the fan with number eight on my jersey? <laughs> <laughs> Iconic, that number eight, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was one year older and I remember we had a lot of drinks. Yeah. I didn't vomit all the way back to our home rink. Oh. That, <laughs> that was a big achievement. Shannon, you won't, you won't remember this at all. And again, this is me OCD. Do you remember the late Bob Humphreys being in the dressing room and he was, he was uh, asking some interviews? Well, and he asked, you, he asked you, Shannon, uh, where was your heart during the penalty shootout? And you and your best Cardiff accent, and I can't do a Cardiff accent, you <laughs> said, somewhere down my ass, I think. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, you know, he read <laughs> Bob Humphreys was great. And... Uh... And I, I just remember as well when I said uh, every time, who would we win it for, right? And, and initially, when I, when I played in Peterborough, I didn't even know uh, with Johnny before that. And you, you'd say, Wales, you know, being North American, we're pretty uh, ignorant to the rest of the world. Uh, you know, where the hell's Wales? You think it's in freaking New Zealand or something like that. So <laughs> then having to play for Wales and then figuring out and finding, you understand all the passion that comes with uh, the Welsh and then, and it just sort of meant so much, you know, for me, it's like, hey, we did it for Wales. It was great, you know. So I remember saying that line. And every time we won something, which is yep. freaking 
you know, a dozen other times, Bob would always come up here, who'd win for Shiny? <laughs> we did it for Wales, Bob. <laughs> 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 But, but, you know, and, and, and again, you know, with this team and, but everything about it, I think our position being in Wales made it that much more special because we, we got recognized. Uh, whereas if we were another English team that, you know, we wouldn't have got that much uh, out of it. Right. So we, we've been able to ride a, a great, you know, uh, a great ride and it's lasted freaking, you know, we're 30 years deep now, you know, but, you know, Johnny and, and the way I think we we set the tone for Cardiff to be winners. And I think it's, you know, it's carried through. Cardiff always want to, they want to win and, and they're still doing it today. So it's great. You know, good job for Johnny to go down from Peterborough to start this thing. We, without you, this is your little baby. And, uh, yeah. and uh, you, you know, you've done a, you've done a great job, yeah. mate. And uh, you, you pulled together a good bunch of guys. But, and I think, you know, when you talk about how much time you, you put it on the ice, but you just do that, you know? That's how we played. Yeah, Shannon, John, you don't get away from it that easily. I think we're doing separate podcasts on you if you'll honor us with time. <laughs> so there's a lot of stories to come from from you guys. I mean, one thing that this, uh, this last week has just shown is how many people still hold the best memories from 30 years ago. And I bet you can't believe it. It's 30 years has, has gone by since, since mm. that day. Uh, like I said, I was a 14-year-old in the fa in the stands at at, uh, at that time, and you know, watching everybody still knows the commentary, don't they? From Barry Davis, yeah. Uh, it, it seemed to be the curse of Barry Davis because every time he bigged a player up, they'd go on and miss the the shot. <laughs> but uh, everyone remembers those lines and just the impact that that all you guys had on. I mean, definitely Cardiff hockey, but British hockey. It was on grandstand. Everyone talked about it. Everybody watched it, uh, and a massive thank you. Uh, to me but for what you did for Cardiff for the Devils um, you know putting us on the map and you know like Shannon said um, a lot of teams talk about you know whatever team hockey but Cardiff Devils hockey is all about being about winning and that was from John founding it day one and uh, you know set that nothing nothing less than winning um, was was good enough and you know that's what Cardiff Devils hockey and that's what makes it special and the perfect example is is that Wembley weekend. Yeah. Uh, guys, for me to echo what, what Franny said, um, I've been a Cardiff Devils fan for, for 30 odd years. Cardiff City fan, so I don't have much joy there. But, for, for, <laughs> but you know, 38 years old, that 89-90 season, still the best sporting memory of my life. So um, I was uh, worryingly excited about this today. So thank you guys for coming on. And, and really that whole team, uh, just to go through again, Paul Farmer, uh, Nicky, Jason Stone, John Lawless, Brian Dixon, Jeff Smith, Steve Moria, Jason Wood, Archie Nelson, Robbie Morris, Shannon, Bernie, um, Ian, Stephen, and, and Brian Wilkie. Seriously, and, and, and guys, I don't mean to embarrass you, but, but still, um, you guys are, in any sport I've ever watched, the the best and and my favorite memory of a sporting team ever so so thank you so much uh so thank you so much for um for everything you did and, and for making so many happy memories you betcha oh, cheers awesome pleasure every week guys
So there it was. The story of the 1990 playoff winning Cardiff Devils team told by the men who lifted the trophy and who lived through one of the most iconic moments in Cardiff Devils history and really uh, left this mark on uh, sport in general in the UK, the way that it, you know, postponed the major snooker world championships. And it's something that I think uh, the eyes of a sporting nation were on at the time. And we were so fortunate to have the majority of the team come on and uh, relive that with us. Uh, it's a chance I don't think we, we will have uh, again, really, in the future. So, uh, guys, uh, over to you for, for your thoughts. John, I sense uh, that was 30 years in the making for you. A lot of questions that you got to put uh, to your heroes. Um, That's closure for you, isn't it, John? <laughs> it, it is. It's as close as it gets, Franny. Yeah, it was... Um, um, I'm not uh, ashamed to say it was um, a little emotional. I think it's worrying that my memory is better than theirs as, as <laughs> I didn't play in that game, but uh, tales of a misspent youth, I suppose. But no, just to, as I said um, in, in the intro, um, everything's a bit more magical when, when you're young, I suppose. And, you know, I was an eight-year-old. Ice hockey was all about a, a Saturday or Sunday night, going with my dad, going with my brothers. Um, and you had this magical team led by John Lawless, this guy who, who shot the scoreboard. You had Steve Moore, who was the best player in the league, and the Coopers and Shannon Hope. We won every week. Um, and, and it just seemed like a fairy tale. And every fairy tale needs a fairy tale ending. And, you know, you watch that game back, and Franny mentions it in the episode, and, and we were discussing it off camera. You watch that game back now 30 years later, Gaz, and there are points at it. You still don't think the Devils are going to come back and, and, and win um, because they really had no right to win. And I think some of the guys admitted that Murrayfield were probably the better team on the day. And, and we get swept up in the Cardiff thing. We should also remember that the Murrayfield players played a huge part in that final. But somehow there was a there was a fairy tale ending. And, you know, you go to sudden death, you go to penalty shots, um, and the Devils came out on the right side. And... Um, uh, as an eight-year-old, I think I was in tears that day. And as a 38-year-old, I wasn't far off doing the episode uh, <laughs> Sunday. So, no, it meant, it meant a huge amount to me. And, and to do it with you guys as well, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's uh, amazing, isn't it, Franny, that, you know, not every team bonds like that team does. Not every team has moments that they are able to look back on to be able to come together. It reminded me very much... Um, of the world record breakers coming back yeah. together for, for the match game. You can see yeah. that those team bonds still hold even after, you know, years away from each other and they'll probably hold uh, on forever. Yeah, there's there a number, number of things that stood out for me. First of all, the, the initial reaction when everybody started <laughs> dialing into the, the Zoom meeting and seeing faces on there and there was, you know, some comments that I haven't seen you for 20 odd years and um, straight away, people were into like a little bit of banter, um, but right the way throughout the interview, the respect that they had for each other still, and also very much for John Lawless and the amount of thank yous that he got for giving them the opportunity to come to Cardiff and be part of it. I thought that was fantastic to see. Um, you know, Stephen Cooper mentions it about how that team was never beaten doesn't matter what the score, they were never beaten. And that was a characteristic. And that's a characteristic of all great teams. Um, so that was really nice to see that, you know, the togetherness that team obviously had. And you can see why it's so successful. 
you can see the leadership that John Lawless provided and why his teams were successful. And I said it on the episode that, you know, we're so fortunate as, as that we talk about Cardiff Devils hockey as being, you know, I, I guess always punching above our weight and uh, success from day one, that, that kind of stuff. And not, not every team has that history. And that's what makes us such a special club. Um, the other thing that I really loved, um, I've actually, I wrote down some notes before the, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote down some notes before we, we did the interview with the guys. And one of the things I wrote down was the pre-game skate at Wembley, because that is probably my most magical moment as a player. Um, so I would have played at Wembley, was it two? Uh, yeah, 93, 94. 93, 93 and 94. Mm -hmm. um, so when you go down to Wembley, it's not normally an ice rink. So they put fresh ice down. And if you skate on fresh ice, it's really brittle. It cuts up. It's like, it looks like a sheet of glass, but actually it's not very practical because it cuts up too easily and it doesn't make for a good playing surface. So they get you on there to skate on it just so you can get used to the surface and the boards and stuff like that. So when you arrive from Cardiff, you come into the arena. So first of all, you've got this big wow factor. We're in Wembley Arena, 9,000 seats. You know, back then, we hadn't seen anything like that, you know. Sheffield was the first, I think, you know, yeah. big, big seat in arena. So first of all, you've got that wow factor. And then you go in the dressing room, you pick your stall, you start unpacking your gear. You whack your skates and your tracksuit on, not full gear. And you go out on the ice with your stick and your gloves. And you have a little play around, take a couple of little shots and you know, shoot against the boards. And there's that magical feeling as a player. You're actually in Wembley. This is really happening. And I had that written down about, did they do that back then about the pre-game skate? Mm -hmm. And I think it was Archie and uh, Brian Wilkie. I think they, they all mentioned it about that pre-game skate and that feeling mm -hmm. you get when you're actually out on the, you know, the Wembley ice. And uh, it's amazing. It's just a weird, weird feeling. Um, it's, Probably, you know, I'm not describing that well, but... No, no music on there. But one thing I will say about Brass Bonanza is uh, <laughs> I made a lifestyle choice, uh, lifestyle change, sorry, a, a couple of weeks ago. And what I've done is I have put Brass Bonanza on my phone and it's set as my alarm in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> because... Well, on my old alarm I had, you know, it's just like horrible when the alarm goes up and you're fast yeah. asleep and you got this alarm pinging away no matter what you've got on there. And I had this idea of changing it to Brass Bonanza. So now every morning, Brass Bonanza goes off. Beautiful. And you cannot help get out of bed with a big smile on your face if you've got Brass Bonanza playing in no. the background. So <laughs> no. that my, is my tip to you all, that if you want to make your, your mornings that much more pleasant, Change your ringtone, your your alarm ringtone to uh, Brass Bonanza. Hey, I it's my wedding song, Franny. No wonder she hates me. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you didn't manage to get it in the main episode, but you managed to do yeah, it in the outro. It, yeah. You got <laughs> the band in there again. I, got I, I admired band, yeah. that, but uh, <laughs> nice to see that we've uh, finished with uh, a full house. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought I thought the episode is also great for some sort of untold stories. Um, we love the the Aviemore piece from Brian Wilkie about how all that yeah. came about. Uh, Robbie Morris, we never knew he went across to, to Canada to play with, uh, you know, some sort of famous uh, names from hockey. Um, and I particularly loved the end bit when we go into the shootout one by one, you know, 
the confidence of Lawless to step out as the number one shooter. You know, it was his team. Yeah. You know, he didn't put, we talked about how great Steve Maria is at penalty shots. Uh, yeah. And he didn't miss one. He, he, he scored both of his, the only one not to miss one. But Lawless almost took the ball by the horns and said, you know, this is, this is my ship here. Uh, I'll lead the way and I'll put my, you know, he put himself in the most precious situation. Right? And I massively mm-hmm. respect that. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're right. There, there was some great stuff that came out. You know, I, I worryingly think I know everything. Of course, I don't. But the, the Kanawisha story about um, taking the net and sharing the net, yeah. I love that. More of a, I guess, a sad tone or a down tone. But Dougie describing how he was cut in Peterborough by John Griffiths. I didn't realize it was John Griffiths. And John Griffiths came in and coached the Devils and coached Dougie a couple of years later. So, you know, even when you think you've read all the books and seen the video, it was great to speak to these guys and get the inside track because there was stuff came up that I had no idea about. It is really a special uh, episode that we've managed to to put on here and uh, we hope you enjoyed it uh listening to it as much as we enjoyed producing it and uh well i don't really know how we top this <laughs> gentlemen we will get some uh some new guests uh of course and uh you know it's uh in a very difficult time as, as we mentioned in previous episodes uh the i suppose if there's if positives to be taken is that we were able to get everyone who uh, had some some downtime to be able to come together and share something special from uh, a time in their life and, and our sporting life that uh, obviously means a lot to to us and them. So uh, I think we facilitated something pretty special here, gentlemen. Do you have any uh, closing comments? Uh, for, for me, guys, and, and and something that Franny said earlier that the players were saying, and and Franny would. Uh, be able to testify or be closer to this because he played for, for, for him. But I guess you just go back again to, to thanks to John Lawless because um, Todd Kelman's always very, always very classy and, and, and his tweets or when John is back in the country, he, he identifies him as the man who, who started it all. And he really is that guy. We, we wouldn't have, and you know, all, all of us, there's no fans, there's no hierarchy of fans. We're, we're all Devils fans, but there are some Devils fans who have joined um, only in recent times, and, and maybe they don't know about that history. And I, I think, even if you don't take a lot away from the game or the Wembley final, just take how important that John Lawless is. And without John Lawless and his kind of magic dust and and, and what he did, um, probably this club wouldn't be here. So for me, um, it's just a big thanks to, to the man who started it all, John Lawless. Yeah, echo that, JD. And um, I, I think we have to get a John Lawless episode. Now he's figured yeah. out Zoom. Um, <laughs> I, I just love listening. I, I love listening to him speak. And when he recalls like how it all sort of fit into place, you know, he, he just had a vision, didn't he? And he knew what he had to do to, to, uh, to make that happen. Interestingly, that the players chipped in, that he was always asking for their opinion, their feedback, because he had that respect for them that, you know, he wanted uh, to get their input to is great but I also just want to extend the thanks to that whole team and first of all for, yeah. for giving up their time and you know I think it's quite evident from the uh, from the interview that you know it was great for them as well to go back down memory lane I think we helped jog some uh, or you certainly did JD uh, <laughs> some of their memories and uh, I, I think they really really enjoyed reliving it and uh, you know and, and all catching up again um, but not just for them giving up their time uh, on, on Sunday to do the interview, but for winning it because yeah. the Devils would not be yeah. the club 
that we are today with the rich history we've got and we wouldn't have gone on to have that first part of the dynasty if you like um without that 1990 team pulling off the probably the most famous win of all-time british hockey so big thanks to those guys i mean it certainly got me hooked as a youngster and got me uh, aspiring to to get onto that uh onto that wembley ice and uh you know it was they've certainly set up a lot of people in Cardiff as, as Devils fans for life. So thanks, guys, and uh, you know, be proud of everything that you achieved. Absolutely. <laughs> and the hey. final thing that we must do as well, one final plug for the Patrick Kane shirt. Mm-hmm. So um, it's for the Players Benevolent Fund, so it benefits uh, anyone that's ever played or refereed or coached in uh, UK hockey. Uh, if they fall onto hard times, they can uh, apply to the fund um, for a grant. Um, I first got involved with them because I spoke to Ian Cooper when Scott Matsko was going through his uh, his difficulties and, uh, you know, with all the added costs that he had on and the, the fund made a very generous donation to Scott, which, um, you know, we're really thankful for and Scott, Scott was very thankful for. Likewise with Adam Calder as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's the only UK ice hockey charity around. Um, it directly benefits the players that we watch week in, week out, um, that have given us so much, and it's a chance to give a little back. So it's a fantastic prize. It's a Patrick Kane signed jersey with a certificate of authenticity. Um, we will put the link to the Raffle All site. Uh, there's a limited number of tickets, so don't just see the end date and uh, and think that you've got plenty of time because once those, I think it's 2,000 tickets up, uh, and there's quite a lot of gone already as you can imagine with the interest in that so when you listen to this have a look at the link click on there buy yourself tickets and you never know you could be uh, the lucky winner of a patrick kane jersey excellent yeah we'll put all the links in the uh, the usual places on uh, twitter and uh, facebook to make sure that everyone knows where they need to go to get those tickets well Listen to that again, because there'll be things that you'll miss the first time around, and uh, the stories will uh, go on forever and ever, and they will live long in the memory. I've been Gareth Hewish on behalf of Mr. John Donovan. Uh, thank you, guys. And Gaz, special thank you for you for allowing me to kind of drive this episode. You've got a lot of editing to do, I know. So uh, many special thanks to you. <laughs> no, no, sir. Thank you very much for all your due diligence. And uh, uh, goodbye from Mr. Neil Francis. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Fantastic job, job JD, as always, in, uh, in terms of pulling all that together and, and yeah, yeah. Gaza for, for getting the show on the road. So, uh, <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope everyone that listens into it or watches on YouTube uh, does as well. I'm sure they will. We have been behind the bench with Neil Francis and much like the beginning of this episode, treat yourself to a little bit of brass bonanza. We'll see you soon.